in Romans chapter 8. We're going to be uh, looking at part, part 7. Romans 8, part 7. All right, Romans 8, part 7. Let's look at, to bring you up to speed on uh, Romans 8, let's look at verse 16, and then we'll just continue our study. I want us to just really get into our learning positions and not just uh, sit here and go through the motions, and then we leave the same. So we want to be changed by the Word of God. Amen? Let's be changed by the Word of God. Let's do the Word of God. I'm excited to be a Christian. <laughs> I, I am, really, I'm, I'm so excited that God saved me. Some people don't seem to be really excited about that. It's just a get out of hell free card or something. But I'm excited to be saved. And just um, looking at and exploring the things that the Lord has done for us is just amazing. And it seems as though words like amazing, great, awesome aren't even strong enough. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 16. We'll start at verses 16 and 17 that will help form the context uh, for the other verses we're going to share. And what did we learn about context? Context, context determines meaning, right? So, so you get your meaning from the context, the context, all right? So if you, don't, if you know what the context is, so let's see what it is. He says here, Paul says here, the Spirit himself, all right, we got the Spirit is a person from that, don't we? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So then you and I all, regardless of how difficult things are, you and I have a resident witness, an inner witness that is in our frame. There is someone, not something, there is someone living within us who, and he is God. He says, I am bearing witness. You are a child of God. <clears throat> you are a child of God. So he bears witness with our spirit because now, because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Our spirit, for the first time, was awakened to God. You, you, you have, your spirit was dead before the Holy Spirit came. That is, dead in the sense that your spirit could not communicate with God, did not understand what God wanted, could not give God what he wanted. But so now your spirit woke up from its dormancy, it's sleep, it's uh, godlessness, and said, wow, I'm a spirit of God. Yes. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with that yes. spirit. And then Paul says, and if children, or since we're children, then we are heirs, heirs. That means we have an inheritance. We're heirs of God, and that's amazing. I know what it's like to be an heir. When mom and dad passed away, they left us some land and, and, and a little bit of cash. I was shocked. I thought we'd spent it all. They left us something. So I understand what it's like to be an heir. You inherit. So then we are heirs, and not just heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. We know that Jesus Christ owns everything in the universe. He says, 
you do too. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It's not just the material things that we own in the universe. It's the spiritual realities. So that means that all that is in Christ now belongs to the believer. All that is in Christ belongs to the believer. All those amazing attributes, those, those matchless qualities belong to you. That's why the peace for us, peace, is being at, at one with Christ, with God through Jesus Christ, you know, having the joy of the Lord. There is, it doesn't depend on what's going on around you. You are still totally correct and fine when you don't have things going on well around you. So, so the joy of the Lord and, and uh, to have the ability to suffer long knowing that negative things and bad things don't last always. Well, those are things that we have. Those are just a few that we have in Christ. Now he says then we are joint heirs with Christ. Another thing that this brings to us <clears throat> is that Jesus does not get his inheritance without us. Jesus does not get his inheritance without us. It doesn't mean that we're so great. It just means that God is so generous, that God is so kind. So he made us a joint heir with his son. That's so mind-blowing in, in, in a real sense. Some, uh, somebody told me don't use that word phrase anymore. But it's mind-blowing to me. You're going to have to, you have to give me a better, a better word and then I'll use it. But Paul then brings on a condition. He says, these are ours. If indeed we suffer with him. So if indeed we suffer with him. So I want to maybe put into proper perspective suffering because suffering is not the way some of our well-intended brothers and sisters taught us many years ago. It's not that. We don't use the Holy Spirit and anointing to avoid suffering. Now, I, I don't use the Holy Spirit in the anointing to dive into suffering. But what I, we are to do is to go through suffering, aided by the Holy Spirit, and deal with it. Haven't you noticed that no matter how fervently we have prayed, that we have never been able to eradicate suffering? <laughs> doesn't matter how anointed you are. doesn't matter how many days you fasted and prayed. You came out of your fasting, your long fasts and praying, and had to go through things just like folks who eat every day. So I'm saying that it's a part of our journey, and God wants us to understand how to deal with that. So Paul is writing this to the saints at Rome so they will grow properly. They have to grow properly. I want to say to us that those of us who are living in this particular time period, we must grow properly. We must, as it were, grow again. Uh, we need to look at our, uh, at our growth plan and grow better than we have grown before because too many of us have thought that money, wealth, and, and those kinds of things would help us to alleviate some of the things that we must go through. We must go through in order to be developed. So we don't want a cushy life. It's not a cushy life I'm after. It's a godly life I'm after. And that's what we should be. 
So then Paul comes on the heels of verse 17. He says, for I consider, I love this word. So he's talking, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So he's talking about going from suffering, a period of suffering, to a time of glory. So, listen, that means, that means the abundant presence of God. That means living with God forever, not having anything that's negative or, or ungodly that can upend us, can cause us to flip over and, and uh, live a shipwrecked life or a wrecked life. Nothing like that can happen. So, he's telling us that we go from suffering to glory. I consider... The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed Amen. to us. No, in us. Amen. The glory will be revealed in us. John tells us that when Christ appears or when Jesus comes, when he is revealed, then you and I are going to also be revealed. Amen. And, and it's, it's a glory that is in the believer. This is not just wishful thinking. This is reality. The glory will be in the the believer. So he says, this glory shall be revealed in us. John says that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. This is the hope that God has given every believer. This hope is not a wishing. It is an expectation that God cannot lie and he's going to do what he's promised. This is the promise to every believer. Sometimes people in the world think, that that's the real world and that what we are doing is sort of wishful thinking and the play world. But no, this is the real world that believers live in and what they live in is a world that will not exist pretty soon. It will not exist pretty soon. Well, you know, can, it, can you imagine? This is what it looks like in real time. It looks like you are in a particular country and something happens, let's say a natural disaster, earthquakes or whatever, uh, tsunamis, and suddenly your country is just wiped out. It doesn't exist anymore. So people who don't know Jesus are living, quote unquote, in a type of country that's not going to exist at some time in the near future. It will not. So where will they go? It will be too late to go to the Lord. Where will they go? Okay. So Paul tells us that he considers the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, uh, he also tells the Corinthians, he speaks to the uh, Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, for our light affliction, he calls our suffering in this world. Can you imagine light affliction? I'm sure I'm looking at brothers and sisters here, and I know we have many online. They've gone through some things, and they would be insulted if I called them light affliction. You know, what do you mean light affliction? You know, but Paul says light affliction, light affliction. Can you know it's like it's like Paul is like the guy you own the kids on the school campus. You know, so light affliction. What do you mean light affliction? He said light affliction. <laughs> yeah, it's Paul saying I'm not scared. Light affliction. Listen, he says for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, which is but for a moment. 
which is but for a moment. It's very difficult for us to understand sometimes eternity because we know of things that end. We live in a place of creation, within a sphere of creation. We have been uh, created. We see things created, and then we see things end. So we do, it's very difficult sometimes to grasp endlessness, endlessness. But Paul says, our light affliction, he says, no matter how severe your pain, no matter how severe your sorrow, light affliction. I told you uh, Wednesday, I believe, when I was sharing this message, uh, uh, this part of the message, I talked about my dad who had worked hard, 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 Hard all of his life, all of his life. Our dad, by the way, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, hard, hard all, all of his life. And what he said to me one day, he said, son, I can hardly remember. I can hardly remember the hard toil. It's hard to bring it to mind. He says, my retirement has been so good. And this is what Paul is saying. See, the glory is forever, where, whereas the suffering is temporary. And Paul says, comparatively, it's light. Now, this is a man who's not just talking uh, because he, he wants to say something. This is a man who was caught up to the third heaven. He says, I can't tell you, in the body, I don't know. Out of the body, I don't know. But I know I was there. And I heard things that were unspeakable. I heard things that is unlawful for a man to even utter. And you know, like Don Lavelle, like I am, I said, God, would you tell me? <laughs> God probably said, boy, you know, if I tell you, you'll tell everybody. You'll tell all the saints. You'll tell the saints. So, so, so Paul says there were unutterable things. And I believe, this is what I really believe. I believe much of his revelation came also from that. From that experience, that experience, he heard things that no human should utter. And there are things that the Lord has spoken to me that I think, God, I'm afraid to say it. This is so amazing, so good. So he says that suffering is temporary and light. Say to yourself, my suffering, my suffering is, temporary is temporary and light, and light. Compared, compared to eternity. To eternity. Compared, compared to the blessings of God. It's temporary in light. It's temporary in light. It has an end. Your joy and the glory do not have an end. Joy and glory do not have an end. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. So Paul says, as a, as a response to suffering, as a response to this life and going through things and dealing with problems, God is also training us to reign. Training us to reign. Listen, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. He says, therefore, I endure all things. I endure all things. What do you do, Paul? I endure all things for the sake of the elect. That is you, the chosen of God. That they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Amen. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Now, now when, when I say if we endure, just in case there's somebody in this audience, online or here in person, who might think that I don't, I'm going to endure, but I don't know about you, brother. Everyone who is truly born is going to endure. You're truly born again. You're a truly born again son. You're going to endure. Hallelujah. 
Because you, are, you now have the spirit of your daddy. You have the same spirit as your elder brother, Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. You have the same spirit. That's why you're going to overcome and endure. Amen. When I was growing up as a kid, my, my dad would sometimes say to me, you're my son. I expect better things of you than that. What, he, what is he saying? You got, you got my, my, not only my natural DNA, you've got, you've got my spiritual DNA. You're going to do better than that. I heard that all my life. Sometimes we let the world shape our children. Don't let the world shape your children. Don't let your children bring something in from outside. May I tell you a story I've told you before? Thank you. All I needed was one witness. I remember I told you the story. It's comical, but I remember sometimes occasionally, it wasn't often, but occasionally I would have a bad attitude. I would come home with a bad attitude. I'd walk in there like I was the cock of the walk, you know. And my dad said, hey, 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 son, hey, son, go back out that door. And I, I, I would look at him. He said, I said, go back out the door. I thought he was just kind of using figurative language. You know, just kind of go out the side of the door in your head. And then, but he said, no, you go back out that door and come in right. I didn't teach you to be this way. So I'd, I'd have to literally go outside the door. And come in. He said, no, that's the way you come in. And so sometimes we let our children bring stuff in from outside. My dad would say something like this. He said, son, that attitude that you got, you didn't learn that here. Is, is there anybody, in the, any parents in the house? He said, you didn't learn that here. You didn't learn that here. No, don't bring what you got out there here. This, this house is a safe place for my family. Okay, so I'm just saying, let's, let's parent too while we're learning about suffering and glory. Let's be better parents. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Now listen to what he says. If we deny him, he also will deny us. This is a very, uh, we want to, it's a school zone here. He's not saying uh, that we're going to uh, eternally deny the Lord. This is for people who are among us, but they are not us. So if, if he's speaking to somebody in that audience, they're going to deny the Lord. He says, he'll deny you. But listen to the faithful, to those of us who have been saved by the grace of God. In verse 13, he says, if we are faithless, and now there's, I'm going to say there's no one in this audience who has not at some juncture been faithless. You may say, well, I've never been. I can't remember. That's because you were asleep in your faithlessness. You were asleep. Everybody has been faithless. Listen to what he says to you. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So Paul is talking about this amazing glory that we have received. John 15, 20 says, remember the word that I said to you. John 15, 20. John 15, 20. Gospel of John. He says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Let's recognize that. We need to explore Jesus and how Jesus always dealt with attacks from the, from the time he was a babe, just born, the most powerful man in the country was trying to kill him. God sent angelic help in a dream, says, Joseph, get out of here. 
leave this place. Herod wants to kill the baby. So Joseph gets up, he got, got married and got out of town, went to Egypt for a while. And so the Bible says that, that, that Herod's misdeeds brought about a fulfillment of Scripture because the Scripture says, out of Egypt have I called my son. You see, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. That's what God wants you to, no matter what you go through, no weapon's going to prosper. And so he came out, he came out. And so Joseph found out that old Archelaus was reigning called Herod, Herod died. Then Archelaus' son began to reign. And uh, Joseph was, the angel said, Joseph, you can go back to, to Israel now. Herod's dead. He goes back and says, ooh, Archelaus, you know, son of Herod, wicked Herod is reigning. I'd better not go down south. I'd better go to Nazareth. Yeah, wow. So, so he's, he's moving. Joseph is moving by the direction of the angel. Angel didn't say, go to Nazareth. But he says, okay, hmm, Spirit of God, okay, I'm not going to go to Jerusalem and Judea. I'm going to go to Nazareth. And then he says, that's how God is dealing with all of us in the midst of the craziness of the world, all the, the nonsense that's going on. Don't be a part of the nonsense. But, but listen, the decisions you make are going to be God because he says, uh, Mary, let's go to Nazareth. And says, oh, and so the Holy Spirit moved him inside to go to Nazareth. And he went to Nazareth and says, yes, because he shall be called a Nazarene. Wow. That's how God is working with you. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to you. You don't have to join the enemy's camp. He's faithful to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus says, Jesus says, listen, I want you to know something. If they persecuted me. They will also persecute you. What does this mean? The ungodly. They will persecute you. Sometimes we're trying, we're, we're trying to live a life that God doesn't tell us is a real life. You will suffer in this life. But you, you will overcome it. Because no weapon formed against you can prosper. Because when the weapons come against you, it's like coming against God, your daddy. And they have not prospered against God, your daddy. They have not prospered against Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, your very life. So, he says, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange. Do not, beloved. Wonderful believers, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You know, believers are, oh, I'm under attack. Oh, I say, you, you are. I, I'm almost always under attack. It's just some of them are less severe. The enemy is always trying to get you to deny Christ. You cannot, you're not going to deny him. He's always trying to get you to be faithless. So he says, don't think it's strange. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, 2 Timothy 3.12, let's look at it. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus might, oh, oh, will suffer persecution. Persecution. Now, this I read to you the other night. Let me read it again. Again, Isaiah 65, 17. Isaiah 65, 17. 
Isaiah 65, 17, the scripture says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Or even come to mind. God is bringing you to a place where the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And we'll, we'll see each other. I can just see one of them say, you know, man, this thing has been so good, like my dad's uh, retirement. These things have been so good. Hey, hey, do, do you remember? Do you remember back then on earth? Man, I, uh, I don't remember, man. Man, this is so good, I, I don't remember. Man, it seems like I don't even care, man. Doesn't, you know, being with Jesus every day, you know. Being with God the Father and doing and, and having this peace, I, I, I don't I don't remember. And, and, and verse eighteen says says um, verse eighteen says, "Come on, where am I? But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create, for behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy." Wow, that's what God is saying. To us. Let's look at verse 19 of um, Romans 8, verse 19. So Paul talks about creation and us in such beautiful language. Listen to what he says in verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So Paul's revelation from, via the Holy Spirit says that this creation is eagerly waiting. I taught this a number of years ago, and I used the young Mutzler boys as an example. Pastor Tim's boys, when they would see their dad, they were little tykes, about two and three years old. The moment they saw him, they would just say, like, Daddy, Daddy, and they would just stand on their tippy toes. They would do like, you know, up and down on their tippy toes. They saw their daddy. They would just, those boys, and this is what that means. That means the creation is like, just waiting on the revealing of the sons of God. And so Paul says this. They are eagerly waiting. Why? Because creation's future is tied with our future. It's connected to our future. Yes, you, you know those crops you're trying to grow? They, they don't grow well because they're connected to our future. This is amazing. This is amazing. God wants us to understand something. We're not just trying to do the best we can with what we got. You're special. You're now people of God. And we're going to get through all of this stuff. Now listen to what verse 20 says. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So there was an expectation that God had. Verse 21 says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You may, you may feel like, what does this have to do with my here and now? It has everything to do with your here and now. It says, keep being faithful. It says, trust the Lord. It says, do good every day. It says, follow the Holy Spirit, not the dictates of man. It says, be separate because God has called you out of this world system, not to be a part of this world system. No matter who tells you, you are not to be a part of this world system. This world system is passing away. But those of us who do the will of God, we abide, live, and abide forever. 
Wow. Yes. Forever. This is what God wants you. And so if somebody says, uh, you know, I, I, they go take you to lunch, right? Uh, you know, I just agree with, disagree with Pastor Don. I, you tell them, well, go tell him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should tell him. Well, go tell him. Don't tell me it's spoiling my lunch. You know, there are people who say, well, yeah, Pastor Don says that, that uh, Christians uh, uh, aren't demon-possessed, and I, I just disagree. Well, maybe you're demon-possessed. Huh? I mean, you see, the thing is, I never find any scripture where a person belongs to God. His Holy Spirit lives in them. But now the devil's going to come, push them aside, and take it. Ooh, we have a problem. We have a theological quagmire, nightmare problem. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. You and I, we're on our way somewhere. We're on a, an amazing journey. We're already sons of God. Born ones of God. We're born ones of God. Then he adopted us. And, and we're not, as the word, the born ones, the technons. In the Greek now, we're the weos. We are adult. God, we were born again, born sons. And now he adopted us as adult sons so that we can begin to enjoy our inheritance right now. And this is what God wants the church to know. And this is why the call of the Spirit is, come out from among them and be separate. That's, that's the call of the Spirit today. Let, let me, let me, let me um, read something and then we're going to... We'll just take it up the next time, all right? Let's read something from Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And maybe we'll even go beyond that. Yeah, let, let's just read until I stop. Genesis three seventeen says, then, Adam, then to Adam he said, this is God, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Now, God said, curse it is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now, let me just say this quickly. I had planned to give you a, a few marriage tips uh, before I started to preach, but I, I didn't do that. But here, God, God is not saying, do not consider what your wife has to say. He's saying, if your wife says something that I've not said, you, you can't, don't heed that. Don't consider that. You should always consider what your wife is saying. But he is saying, and so if there's some guys in here who think, well, I'm not going to do anything. No, you're wrong. You need to always listen. And, and, but if she said, say, babe, no, God told me to do the opposite. If she said, well, I'm telling you to do something, <laughs> you have to say, no, I'm going to consider that, but I'm going to do what God says. And you have to do that sweetly. But Adam, what Adam did, he chose to listen to Eve rather than God. So no man should do that, neither should a woman do that. So we have to find a place for Holy Spirit dialogue. All right, are we good? So he says, in toil you shall eat 
of it all the days of your life. In toil, that's, that's the pronouncement. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and dust you shall return. That's what he says. Now, now listen to what, what Paul says in Romans 8, 22. He says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting Hallelujah. for the adoption, yes. the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. This is what Paul is saying. This is what Paul is saying. And I want all of us to say the same thing. He's, he is saying, the final phase as our, of our adoptive process is the redemption of our body. Yes. That's the final phase. And when that happens, it's all over. We will have entered our eternal inheritance. No more suffering. No more pain. That's where we're going to. This is what Paul is encouraging the Roman Christians because they're living in a terrible world, a world of woe, confusion. They're doing well materially, materially. They're doing well. But spiritually, they are under attack. I want us all in this house and those of you who are online to just think about it. In America, we're doing very well still. We're still, even though we've dealt with some inflation and the little sluggish economy and gas prices, a little high. In Europe, they've been high forever. Other parts of the world. And we're griping about good times. You know, you have to pay a little bit more, but still good times. I go to, I don't have to go kill a cow to have a steak. I just go to the store. I don't have to go plow a field to have, eat breakfast. I buy me a box of cereal already. We have good times, we're complaining. This is what God wants us to know. He wants us to know that what he has planned for us is much better. Much better than the things we're griping about. Don't let the world's system feed lies to you. Where in, who would have ever thought it? That all I have to do, I don't have to harness my horses, I just go and get in my car and turn on the ignition. And we're complaining rather than worshiping this God who loves us. Let's yield ourselves to God and live properly. Let's grow properly in this world and be that shining city on the hill. The church 
is the city on the hill. We are the nation that's the city on the hill. We are the nation that cannot be hidden. Let's shine brightly for our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name. And I want to come back and talk to you in just a minute. Sister Steph.